Well, we're going to read from the Bible together now, and we're going to turn to the prophet Isaiah and to chapter 61 of Isaiah. If you're following along in our Pew Bibles, you'll find our reading on pages 620 over into page 621. Uh, we're reading Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 8. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 8, and it begins on page 620 of our Pew Bibles. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 8, and as we read this part of the Bible, we of course remember that this is God's Word to us. Isaiah 61, beginning at verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make them an everlasting covenant with them. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this morning. Thank you so much to everyone who's given me a warm welcome. Uh, the boys and girls especially were very chatty and friendly, which is wonderful. Uh, my name is Chris. Uh, I'm from Warringstown. I, oh, thank you so much. Um, and, uh, and it's a privilege of mine to work for Tear Fund. And uh, it's a real privilege to be in Bucknow this morning. Uh, when I said to my dad I was um, coming to Bucknow, he told me that my grandparents, three or four times removed, are all buried in the Rakavan graveyard, which is somewhere down there way back to the late 1600s, so if you know any Thompsons uh, <laughs> in the graveyard, you can come and talk to me afterwards. Uh, so I don't know if it makes it feel like home or not, but it's certainly a real privilege for me to be here. Um, the church family here has been partnering with Tear Fund for over 30 years. I'm sure some of you have been here this whole time and maybe you remember the first time that someone from Tear Fund came and shared or, or the first offering that was, was made to the work of Tear Fund globally. So let me say thank you for that before we uh, move on. Thank you on behalf of, uh, of Tearfund, on behalf of our partners, on behalf of people on the ground, real people uh, just like you in different places around the world who have been blessed, who've seen their lives transformed through your generosity. A, a really big thank you. Um, I've travelled a little bit with Tearfund. I've spoken to colleagues lots and spoken to partners across the world. And without any kind of preacher's exaggeration, the giving of real people like you here in Northern Ireland 
it makes a real difference in people's lives. It doesn't just go down some sort of aid pothole and, and disappear. It makes a real genuine difference, uh, not just to one life, but actually ripples out to whole communities and nations. Uh, and, and communities and tran are transformed and lift themselves out of poverty. And for many people, they see that as, that, they see that as an expression of the love of Jesus. Um, uh, because the church is right at the center of that. So uh, thank you. I hope that's been a wonderful thing for you to be part of. Um, I'm a big believer that our giving ought to bless us just as much as it blesses those who receive. And actually giving generosity shape us to be more like Jesus. And so I hope that over the 30 years, those of you who have been here that whole time might be able to say that partnership with Tear Fund and the generosity of you guys in giving uh, has been part of the church's mission of growing you uh, into, into Jesus' followers. So a really big thank you. Uh, it's been a couple of years since somebody from Tear Fund uh, was with you. So just in case you've forgotten or if you're newer to the congregation, let me remind you that Tear Fund is a Christian international development charity uh, that works and partners with churches in more than 50 of the world's poorest countries. Our calling is to follow Jesus where the need is greatest. And so that's what that means is that it's not that there's not need here in Bakna. It's not that there's not need here in Northern Ireland. We know that is true. Uh, but there's a sense of discerning where is the need greatest in our broken world and following Jesus to those places. Uh, our work looks like, uh, I guess, three main pillars or three main areas. Our bread and butter, what occupies our hearts and our passions, is this long-term sustainable development. That is communities and families lifting themselves out of poverty. It's not aid and charity, it's communities being honoured and dignified to lift themselves out of poverty in a way that lasts for generations and sees whole communities change. That's long-term sustainable development and that is what gets us excited uh, and up in the morning. Uh, what maybe we're most known for, if you ask the average punter in the street, is, is emergency response, humanitarian response to disasters. And so... Uh, there's floods in, in Pakistan, there's, there's war in Ukraine, there's an earthquake in Haiti, uh, and Tear Fund and many others will put an appeal out and mobilise ordinary people to respond with generosity to a very pressing emergency need. And the thing that I love about Tear Fund and others are like this too, that the church and our partners are there before the disaster, uh, there's a response that happens in the midst of the most pressing need, and then the church and Tear Fund's partners are there after and we move from responding to disaster to let's change communities over the long term. And the third thing, which Ian's mentioned in his prayer, is, is that we advocate for change. We, we sense that the world is broken, uh, that there are systems in place and policies in place that actually keep people in poverty or make it very hard for people to escape from poverty. And so Tearfin believes we have a calling to be the voice for those that aren't at the table to represent those who can't speak up for themselves and to say to government, to say to agencies, to say to corporations, uh, make sure we think about those on the margins, make sure we think about those that will be impacted by, uh, by a certain policy or certain commitment. Tearfin believes that poverty is not God's plan. God is good and we know from scripture that he made a good world where things, uh, oh pardon me, that's the video, where things, um, we're in harmony. If you read the first few pages of Genesis, we see a beautiful creation, Adam and Eve in the middle of it. There's no poverty there. I don't know if you've picked that up before. There's no poverty in the Garden of Eden. And so something happens in the aftermath of that 
that creates the world that we live in. And so Tearfund understands, uh, as you will too, that sin is the cause of that brokenness. Sin is the cause of poverty. Um, and particularly Tearfund understands four key broken relationships that we see around the world and through scripture that in a sense are the cause, the undercurrent of everything that's wrong in the world. Let me show you a quick video. Uh, and then I'm going to tease this out a little bit more, and then I'm going to tell you a few stories of what this means in action. Here's the, uh, the video. It's annoying how easily we break things. What good is something that's broken? And what about the things we break that we can't throw away? The people we hurt? The situations we mess up. The unjust structures that we ignore. The ways we exert power over the poor. When it's played out on a global scale, it does more than just cause us pain as individuals. Communities, cities, nations suffer and struggle, compete and even fight. And this brokenness damages the planet itself. We are careless with this precious earth. We are greedy for all it gives. Natural resources are used up and fought over. The earth groans and suffers. This brokenness is where poverty comes from. Poverty isn't just a lack of money. It is a deep brokenness in the world that we experience in all kinds of ways. In hunger and insecurity, thirst and a lack of education, loneliness, sickness, violence and hopelessness. Our relationships with each other are damaged. Our relationship with the physical world is damaged. Even our relationship with ourselves, because we don't know who we are or where we belong. At the heart of all this brokenness is our broken relationship with God, who made everything in love and made it good. We have pulled away from him and from his ways, and we are left diminished, unsure of who we are or what we can do. All of us are affected, but some of us suffer more than others. What do we do with so much brokenness? Is that just the way it has to be? We believe that God has always been interested in mending things. And in Jesus, God came close and showed us how. Jesus doesn't just patch things up. The cross and the resurrection make possible a whole new creation. Not by throwing the old things away, but by redeeming and restoring them. And as we continue to be restored and healed, and our relationships are restored, God invites us to join His work. We get to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation and restoration 
and it transforms all of those broken relationships with others, with the physical world, with ourselves, and with God. It's a ministry that is bigger than us. This is God's story and God's work. And one day, we believe it will reach its climax when Jesus returns and ushers in a life of wholeness for everyone once more. So Tearfund understands that poverty is caused by the sin and brokenness in the world. And we see it played out in those four broken relationships that you might have picked up there. And I have found these really helpful as I pray for the world that I see on my, my screens and in the newspapers. How do you pray for Ukraine? How do you pray for Afghanistan? How do you pray for famine in East Africa? And sometimes when we're lost for words, I simply pray for healing, for restoration of of some of these broken relationships that are in play. As Christians, we know well that we have a broken relationship with God. Uh, we followed God our own way, not God's way. We know this dates right back to Adam and Eve who made that decision um, to disobey God's loving command and eat from the tree. And this one fact, our rebellion from the Lord, my rebellion from God as an individual has shaped and impacted every other factor and element of life on this earth. Uh, creation itself groans under the weight of sin, scripture tells us. Um, God's people, you and I long for restoration and redemption. Our, as a nation, our, our culture, our entertainment, our sport, our art, uh, what we watch on the TV, all of those things are shaped by this, this fact that we don't know God and we've been disconnected and broken off from him. Now, as Christians, this gives us a little moment to pause and say, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Uh, thank you for the restoration that you and I enjoy as believers, uh, that restoration of our relationship with the Father. And yet, even as we sit and enjoy that, uh, that oneness and union with God, we know that the impact of that broken relationship with him still impacts our lives as we struggle with sin day by day and it impacts the world we live in. So we have a broken relationship with God that is the foundation of so much that we see around us. We have a broken relationship with self. Uh, we feel shame. We experience discontent with who we are. We're envious of other people. We don't understand or hold tightly to our identity as men and women who are made in God's image. That image of God is broken by poverty. If I were to ask you to describe what it is like to live or experience poverty, you would most likely talk about physical things. You would talk about a lack of food, a lack of shelter, a lack of water, the things that we discussed with the boys and girls. And of course, those are very real. But if you ask somebody who lives in poverty what it's like, they're much more likely, first of all, to talk about the personal and emotional impact of, of living and experiencing poverty, the shame that comes from being dependent on other people. The hopelessness that fills you about tomorrow's opportunities. The fear for yourself and your family. It's those things that fill someone in poverty much more than the physical or material reality. And so it's this shame that poverty brings that hides the truth that men and women are made in the image of God, just like us here this morning. And so something about our work has to address that. Uh, otherwise, people, families and communities are unable to lift themselves out of poverty until we understand that 
we have a broken relationship with ourselves. Thirdly, we have a broken relationship with others. We're in conflict with one another. We know this just simply on a personal level because we're selfish. We have to work quite hard to care for the person next door. We have, that has, takes effort for us. Uh, our, our hearts are tuned to look after number one. And of course, in Northern Ireland, we know that when that ripples out beyond the personal into communities and families and nations, we know where that goes. And we see on our screen where it goes when it's amplified out into the international stage. And, and conflict exasperates and, uh, and makes the conditions where poverty thrives right across the world. And then finally, we have a broken relationship with creation. We're damaging God's world and we know in the news that there's a sense of, of crisis about where the planet's going and without wanting to get into the detail of that, there's something off and the world isn't as it should be and we're not managing that well and that's a challenge. Uh, and the changes in climate on the ground are impacting people who live in poverty the most, much more than it impacts you and I here in Northern Ireland. And so that's how we understand poverty. It's not a thing that should be here. It's not part of God's plan. It's a, it's a consequence of sin that's in the world, of the brokenness that we see all around us. We read from Isaiah 61 earlier, it's this beautiful uh, manifesto almost. Did you pick that up? A manifesto of kingdom life, of what it will be like when God comes to reign. And we get this glimpse of the great restoration that's coming. Uh, and in some ways is already hearing glimpses it's this great exchange that, that Jesus brings about. Did you see the exchanges? The, the brokenhearted, instead of brokenheartedness, there's healing. Instead of captivity, there's release. Instead of comfort, there's, instead of mourning, in place of that, there's comfort. The ashes of mourning, what a dreadful phrase. I don't know if that rings true for anyone here who is in mourning or has experienced that. The ashes of mourning exchanged for for a crown of beauty. Oil, that sense of anointing and blessing from God given to those in need. A garment of praise in place exchanged for a spirit of despair. Ancient ruins rebuilt, devastated places restored. Instead of shame and disgrace, a double portion, double portion of blessing. I don't know about you this morning, but maybe in your life you feel like you could do with a double portion of blessing because of whatever it is that you bring to church this morning. That's the kingdom of God. It's both the one day final restoration of all things. Where in a new heaven and a new earth, God will dwell with his people and there'll be no more of this. There'll be no poverty because poverty is not God's plan. There'll be no, we read, no crying, no death, no pain, no mourning, no grief, no conflict. It is the one day, but it's also the here and now kingdom, the kingdom at hand that Jesus talked about. And we see little glimpses of it when God's reign comes to bear upon a life or a place. Maybe you've seen it in, in Bakna where someone comes to faith, uh, the, maybe the most like, unlikely person. We get this glimpse of what it's like when God restores a life. When a young person or a child puts their faith in Jesus in the most ordinary way, we get a little glimpse of the kingdom of God at hand. Imperfect glimpse, but a glimpse nonetheless. And of course, Jesus himself in Luke takes this passage on. Did you notice that? 
Is it familiar to you as a statement of his own mission, his own ministry, a manifesto of what we were to expect from his life? What will it be like when he goes a place, when the kingdom of God goes with him and he brings it to bear upon a life? It's the things that we see when Jesus walked about. It's, it's healing, it's restoration of relationship and community, it's restoration of lives and spirits when the kingdom of God is at hand. Earlier this year, I traveled to Rwanda, which is a real privilege with Tear Fund, um, and I visited partners and communities uh, in, in, in Rwanda who've experienced something of this change, experienced something of the kingdom of God at hand. Uh, and I could tell you about a thousand stories, uh, but I'll not do that, because I'm sure the roast chicken is on and we need to get home. But I could tell you stories where God is at work and breaking in. And there are stories that I imagine you guys pray for your own community here. And you have a building that's being built. That's not just a vanity project for your own egos. That's, I expect, a missional project so that you can be here for the long term in this community. Let me tell you about Rwanda. I visited um, a lovely community in the south, and I met this lady who's called Assumpta, and I met her pastor, a man called Pastor Innocent, who was about 75 and he told me how he had been praying for his community for decades. Uh, he described it as it was, uh, beaten down by poverty, full of drugs, full of joblessness, full of violence within families, outside of families, broken family units, a place without hope. He said it was dark spiritually and physically and in every sense you could imagine. And that beats a pastor down, that puts a pastor's eyes, the weight of that upon him was heavy. Tavron's partner in his area brought him and eight other local church leaders together and brought them through this process of, of energizing and envisioning, envisioning them for what the church can do when it takes seriously its mandate to step outside its doors and be God's hands and feet in its community. They meet to pray, they read scripture, he asked, what is it that is really going on in our community? What's the root cause of, of what we see around us? And fast forward just two or three years, and the community has experienced total transformation. Pastor Innocent said to me that's just unrecognizable from where it was just a few short years ago. His church now hosts groups of women who are members of, of what we call self-help groups, so little units who come together, who read the Bible and pray, and ask the questions about how they can change their own lives with the help of the local church. They meet for support, they save small little amounts of money, which then can be loaned out for business development, for emergency health care, for, for schooling, and so on. And so the ladies together invested in a tailoring school, uh, taught themselves tailoring, uh, and in the back of his church, not unlike this, there was a, a stage with 10 sewing machines. And when we were there, we saw the fourth class, the fourth cohort of women who had been through the tailoring school that had been set up by those initial, the initial, initial group of women, including Assumpta. And as they talked, it became clear that their lives had totally changed. They talked about experiencing brand new life, about having a new hope. They talked about the joy of the Lord being their strength. And Isaiah 61 came to mind, which is why I, I, I can't get that passage out of my head now. They were wearing these beautiful clothes that they made themselves and, and vibrant colors. And it reminded me of a garment of praise. Tailoring was just one element of 
of what the group did, but they had experienced this whole life transformation rooted in the transformed power of Jesus. In this uh, small area, there was nine churches. Each church had a group like this. Hundreds of women in the course of two or three years had changed. And when the, when the women's lives changed and the family and the community's lives changed on the back of that, this lady stood before us in this beautiful dress and she, she twirled around and she said, I'm a brand new woman. And she told how she'd gone from living a life of poverty with her family to now uh, being able to tailor and start a tailoring business. She plants crops, she owns livestock and she sells produce. She's obviously a shrewd businesswoman when given the chance. A garment of praise instead of the ashes of grief and mourning. Tearfund's only investment in that community was to train and energize the pastor. It was to give him a vision for what his church can do in that community. And that's what I mean when I said earlier, it's not money that goes into this giant uh, pothole of aid. The investment of Tearfund was to train and excite that pastor for what the church can do. The money that Assumpta was investing in her own business was her own money and the money of her own community. And so as she said, it's, it's an inner change, it's a mindset change, it's a change in her spirit that makes things possible much more than, than gifts or donations does. And so in that context, it was Tearfund helping the church to live out its own mission of seeing its own community transformed and seeing people lift themselves out of poverty in a way that lasts. I could tell you a whole host of stories. Let's just go across the border to DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo. Rwanda is just a small country there to the uh, right of it. Uh, DRC is bigger than Western Europe, a massive country. We don't hear loads about it, but it is a place broken by decades of civil conflict. It's one of the richest mineral nations in the world. And yet, when I spoke to somebody recently, they said, that is a curse, not a gift, because it has caused fighting that has lasted decades, and it's now one of the most impoverished nations in the world. Millions displaced by violence, young people caught up in armed groups. My colleague, who's the director of Tearfund's work in DRC, was in Northern Ireland last week, and he told me about a project helping young people who have returned home after fighting in an armed group. They're traumatized. Uh, they're often not welcome back in their community because of what they have done. And that all, only, all that means is they go back to the fight because it's the only place they know a sense of family and security. And so the team in this project took them through a process of healing and restoration centered on the restoring work of our, our relationship with God and the forgiveness that's available in him. And then they equip them with skills so that when they return to the community, they're welcome because Actually, they can help build a house for the community. They can help farm and feed themselves and their neighbors. And so as a wonderful image of things that are broken, made new. And it culminated in an event in a city called Goma, which is in the east of DRC, where they gathered church leaders from right across the region and they beat uh, decommissioned weapons into garden tools. So this wonderful um, imagery from Isaiah again of the time when the kingdom will come when uh, sores will be beaten into plowshares, when conflict will be no more, when relationships are restored, broken relationships restored, mended. We could fly across to East Africa, uh, which is in the grip of one of the worst famines in decades. 
it's just not on our news. I challenge you to go and see how long you have to watch the 10 o'clock news until someone talks about East Africa or how far you have to scroll down the news app uh, to see it. It's there, but you have to work hard to find it. And the numbers are just staggering. But the kingdom of God's at hand when tear funding churches are right in the middle of that, meeting the most basic needs. Finally, we could go to South America, to Colombia, where pastors and churches are welcoming refugees who have fled violence in neighboring Venezuela and other places. Pastors helping their people to take seriously the biblical call to welcome the stranger with all of the cost and sacrifice that that involves. And the pastor here is on the right, and that is a group of, of refugees who have fled. And so whether it's emergency response in Ukraine or Pakistan, whether it's that long-term change, seeing communities lift themselves out of poverty in Rwanda or Lebanon or Haiti, whether it's peace building in Syria or the DRC, whether it's campaigning and advocating for those who are in the grip of poverty and who don't have a voice, what I've seen in my, my time at Tear Fund and my conversation with people is nothing short of total transformation for those that are impacted by the work. And yet, it is only a glimpse of the great transformation, the great restoration and renewal that Jesus will one day bring. The things that were are gone, and behold, Jesus says, I am making all things new. And so I guess when I said to you this morning, that's what you're part of. It's not just giving money that disappears. It's part of God's kingdom at hand in this world. The, the gap, as I finish, the gap between how things are and how things can be, how things will one day be, is where the church and tear funds call to stand. We watch the news and we say, that's not fair. It shouldn't be like that. It should be different. That gap is where we're called to stand, to stand in amongst the, the hurt, the grief, the mourning, the captive, the brokenhearted, to follow Jesus where the need is greatest and to be used by God to usher in his kingdom. Not just one day, we rejoice in that one day, but also in the here and now. And so for you guys in Buckingham Presbyterian this morning and in the week ahead, where do you fit in? If you're a Christian, then God has also called you to stand in the gap as an individual, as a family, as a church, and in partnership with Tearfun. We're called to stand in the gap by, by what we give, yes, by what we pray, uh, and by how we live here in, in this part of the world. My colleague from the DRC said last week that when people here pray, things are different for them in their work. And so we pray, we stand in the gap, and we pray, and we, we elevate that from just words that maybe we struggle to think make a difference to recognize when we're praying to the Lord of the kingdom. And when we don't know how to start, I simply say, have mercy, Lord. Or even better, may your kingdom come. And I imagine in my mind what it might look like when God's kingdom comes. We stand in the gap with people and we pray. We can give. We can continue that legacy of generosity that I spoke about that has made such a difference over so many years. Given of churches just like this, people just like you, Allows Tear Fund to work hand in hand with churches just like this, people just like you right across the world, in places like East Africa where there's a famine, in places like Rwanda 
DRC, Pakistan, Ukraine and the 50 other nations across the world where the need is greatest. We go hand in hand with God's spirit. We seek an end to poverty and we embrace his kingdom. And as I said at the start, whether that's £10 or £10,000 or £1.2 million, please know that that makes a difference. But of course, finally, praying and giving does something in us that begins to shape us and change us. We can't pray for the hungry around the world without also thinking about those that are hungry on our doorstep. We can't pray for communities in conflict in the DRC and then continue to be a source of division and strife in our own family or on our own street. And so when we stand in the gap in, in prayer and in generosity, we also have to have kingdom eyes for what's here on our doorstep. And if you have those kingdom eyes, if the giving shapes us and our global uh, connections shape us, what do we see if you look outside these walls in Bakna and in your workplaces and in the streets where you live? You might see isolation and loneliness. You might see people struggling to make ends meet. You might see broken relationships. You might see families hurting. We see those without hope. We see people lost without Jesus. We see people crying out for something real, don't we? In the world today, something with purpose. And that gap is where Bucknab Presbyterian is called to, to stand, to see the kingdom at hand right here in, in the schools here, in the community here, in the workplaces here. Uh, and it's my prayer that that is the, the power of a partnership with Tear Fund uh, and with the global church, that as our eyes move outwards, as we praise God for his work around the world, as we involve ourselves in prayer and in generosity, that actually our hearts and our eyes are turned back to where we are and to where he's called you guys to stand in the gap of the kingdom at hand right here in Bakna. Thank you for your partnership. We really trust and pray at Tear Fund that it is something special for you, that you feel that you're part of something bigger uh, and that as you pray, you might pray, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and sense that you are part of that. Can we pray together now? Lord, thank you that we belong to a global church. Lord, grant our brothers and sisters around the world everything they need, their most basic needs, but also the needs of their spirit, Lord. And God, for us as a, as a church here, uh, for churches here in Northern Ireland, help us to stand in the gap, Lord. Give us kingdom eyes. Spirit, help us to join you in this mission of bringing your reign, uh, your transformation, your restoration to bear upon our world and our community. Lord, we thank you for the generosity of this church and may you continue to bless it in the name of Jesus. Amen.